Do you have a car, Joel, or do you just walk everywhere? I do have a car. It, it has uh, been uh, in the shop for like the three weeks now. <laughs> and so, yeah, I haven't had a car, but I do have a car. Well, that is an unfortunate set of circumstances. Very. When you did have a car, what was the most annoying thing on the road? I, I See, that's a very difficult question for me because for the most part, I don't let road rage really get to me. Have you ever had it where whenever you want to like send a text or check your phone or like change the song or something, you're like, great, I will just get up to this next intersection and it'll probably be a red light. And then it's not. And then every time you're like, okay, I really need this to be a green light if I'm going to get there on time. And it's like, psych. It is definitely not a green light. Uh, yeah. Okay. No, that's fair. That's fair. I remember this one time I was driving to work and normally it's, you know, it wasn't like a huge time commitment, but like this time, just because every single light I had to stop because I would get there right as it was turning yellow and just shut down to red. And the the drive took like an extra 10, 15 minutes just purely because of how often I had to stop. That was frustrating. And that is exactly what I'm trying to talk about today. Are we going to be talking lights. about the green wave? I'm not even sure I know what that is. So before I go on about traffic lights, would you tell me about the green wave, Joel? Yeah. Uh, the, the green wave is, I, I don't know a lot about it. I, I've just heard about it uh, before, but essentially... It is that sen- that sensation of when you are driving and you get to stoplights right when they turn green every single time. And you're just able to cruise through. Um, and, and the way that, that stoplights are programmed, they try to optimize that green wave sensation. And so they, they will try to time um, stoplights to be able to allow that to happen to the traditional traffic that comes through there. And so, like, it saves... uh, Obviously, it's very satisfying to hit as a driver, but also um, because people aren't wasting gas stopping and accelerating and just waiting there, it accumulatively, it is a lot more cost-efficient and uh, environmentally friendly. It's fascinating that you know that because that's, in fact, exactly one of the things I was going to talk about. Not in those terms precisely. So you've you've phrased it in such a way that puts a pin in exactly where it needs to go. Yay. And one of the reasons that's so difficult. I contributed to the conversation. Also, what show is this, Ben? (laughs) This is... This is Reconceived with Ben and Joel. I'm Ben. I'm Joel, and we're back. And we are back. We are back to our regularly scheduled program with a giant asterisk, because we are in the middle of a pandemic, and if something goes wrong, please don't get mad at us. Yes. But, yeah, for the for the summer, we're going to be doing this, because we got uh, free, tw- free time in quotations. Yes, As- with many quotations. Yes. We're we're very good at making sure that time does not stay liberated. Back to the green wave. Yes. There are there are lots of reasons that's very difficult. And not being a traffic flow 
mathematician myself. And yes, I did say mathematician because that's what sort of a job it would be if I were one of them. Mm-hmm. There, there are a lot of variables that I don't understand. So instead of starting where we currently are, I'll start with one of the newer ways that traffic is being analyzed and sort of work backwards from there and show why some of the new papers that have come out and some of the new ideas of how to manage traffic are superior to what we had before. Okay. So MIT put out an article way back when, in 2014. And since these things take a very long time to change, it might be 2035 before this becomes widespread. Um, meaning, you know, you'll see it everywhere in the States. Yeah. But they came out with a model or one of their professors rather came out with a model that reduced average travel time for commuters by 22%. Hey, that's pretty good. Which is pretty, that's significant because that was in a world where we already had algorithms and some sort of intelligent ways of analyzing traffic flows. And the reason that they were able to do it that way is something like this. Here's the basic idea from what I could surmise from the paper, because again, it was very mathematical. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to have a giant supercomputer optimize and tinker with every single tiny little intersection, they just said, we're going to follow a bunch of individual cars through this city, mm-hmm. and we're going to have a sort of meta model. We're going to change something in the big picture. We're not going to tinker a bunch with these bazillion little things. We're just going to change something in the big picture. We're going to run the simulation, and we're going to see what that does. And they just kept doing that until they came up with, oh, well, this is better. If these lights are synced this way, the average travel time is better. And they don't have to figure out why that is. They don't have to do an intersection by intersection. Hmm, I don't know, man. We have to alter this light slightly. You have to do that slightly. You just feed all of the input into one giant system and say, we're going to follow these 50 cars. We're going to try to optimize their route times by tinkering on the big picture and then we'll just get better and that's exactly what they did and it worked i guess what i'm really curious about is how does this translate into them knowing what lights to trigger when and how do they know that this is making things more efficient on a larger scale those are both very good questions i'll address the second first How do they know this is getting better on a larger scale? They know it because, like you said, the random sample size. If you only followed one car and said, we're going to trigger all the lights for this car to get there the fastest, I mean, yes, it'll work, but that's very disruptive to the flow of traffic. Instead, they take a bunch of different cars from different directions and say, we're going to see if we can get them all to where they're going faster. And then the first part of your question was... Like, how do you tinker with that on the big picture instead of on the smaller picture? Uh, essentially, basically, I was just trying to understand, like, uh, th- I, I, and I think I do now. How does following 50 cars translate into a more efficient, like, large-scale system? And I think what, what you're saying is that they look at 50 random cars and they <laughs> try to optimize all 50 of their travel times so that each one can be as efficient as possible. When they do that and test again, what they find is that the rest of the, um, the, the rest of the car's systems, the rest of the car's commutes have also been optimized just by numbers that we don't have and don't necessarily need to know. 
We just know right. that it optimized those as well. That is correct. And again, they okay. do this by looking at the big picture. So we're going to sort of zoom out and look at the whole city and just have very basic ideas. And they do those high level decisions so that you don't have to be so focused on let's perfect every single intersection. So instead of thinking about this intersection is its own island and must be perfect. This intersection is its own island and it must be perfect. Mm. We connect them all together and try to optimize the thing that humans actually care about, which is destination time. I, and I think that that's important of seeing how everything is connected. Because if you're thinking about optimizing someone's entire commute, you cannot just look at one intersection. Because eventually the people that got through that intersection very, very quick because you've optimized the crap out of it, they will eventually get to the intersection that you haven't optimized and it completely negates everything, all the work that you just did. Mm -hmm. And instead, what you have to do is you have to it, you have to follow the flow of traffic for it to actually matter. If everything's all on a on an off switch, all the intersections going this way are green, all of them are off. You're going to miss like you're, you're going to miss those opportunities to actually be effective. And that's a good way to think about it. It's more computationally efficient to look at the big picture than the small picture. But even that, it has its limitations. The paper said that they could only do about 50 roads. So you can, if you have a city or a, a system, that's the way they phrased it, hmm. with 50 roads or fewer, this model works. If you have something like New York City, not so much. Obviously, this, this does involve a lot of thought. And you mentioned that like the people that are working on this are mathematicians, sure. But what... Who are the people that are devoting time to to this? Is their job solely to figure out how best to to position lights and when they go off? Obviously, I've known that people have had to do it, but I've never put into thought of just like, yeah, this is someone's entire career. MIT hired the people who wrote the paper that I'm referring to, and I don't have the title of the paper because it's something boring, but it was in the <laughs> Transportation Science Journal. Okay. Um, MIT hired those professors. It was Professor Carolina Osorio and her graduate student, Lin Seng Chong. So those were the two people in charge of that particular thing. Carolina Osorio is an assistant professor of civil and environmental engineering. Okay. But there are people whose entire jobs are to optimize traffic flow i'm just imagining like the reality where my graduate thesis is how like how long a color should be green or red you know what i know that's simplifying it to a, an offensive level but that is like, not simplifying it to an offensive level that's actually that's a really good way to think about it because there are yeah, that's a complicated problem. I guess so. And the reason or I know it's a complicated problem is because it was a problem in Oregon. There was um, a guy named Mats Jarlstrom. Wait, can, can I get that name one, once more? Mats Jarlstrom. And Yarl. I can't spell it because there are weird letters that have dots over the A and the O. So it's... <sighs> but Jarlstrom. 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 That sounds like... Isn't that fun to say? It's very fun to say. It sounds like a tertiary character in Phineas and Ferb. 
he was a he was a resident of Oregon. He um, one of the city's traffic cameras caught him running a red light, and he paid it. And then he was like, "Hang on, that the yellow light should have been longer than that." <gasps> Wait, is this the story that I think it is? So let me let me finish telling it, and you can you can interject along the way, and you can tell me if this is as exciting as we thought it would be. Okay. And so he was like, how long are yellow lights supposed to be? And he found his way back to a 1959 paper. That's the basis of the calculation. So there's a bunch of math that engineers do to say, how long should it be? Depends on approach speed and angle and visibility and type of vehicle, all that sort of stuff. He's like, hmm, good equation. But the equations assume you should drive straight and they don't take into account, well, if you're turning left in a yellow light, you have to slow down. You're not going to make those at full speed. So it wasn't long enough for those. And he redid the calculations and he shared them with people. He was like, yo, these are the better calculations. Here you go. And the Oregon State Board of Examiners for Engineering and Land Surveying was like, you can't do that. You're calling yourself an engineer because like he had just done all this math and he was an engineer. He just didn't have a degree, an engineering license from the state. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he did have a degree. Oh, well, there. then he has all the right to call himself. All right. Never mind. Go on. Again, agreed. And you know who else agreed? The district court. So he sued them. He was like, I can call myself an engineer. I'm an engineer. And they're like, no, you can't. And this district court was like, yeah, he's, you're definitely allowed to call yourself an engineer. You're, the Oregon State Board's restriction was unnecessary. But in, in this defense of himself, he wasn't just like, yeah, I'm technically smart. He actually got the, well, the ITE, I don't know what that stands for, but probably Institute of Technolo- Technological Engineers. That's a good guess. A whole bunch of other engineers looked at his calculations and thought about it, and they had conferences and stuff, and they're like, yeah, he's right. This is definitely what it should be. So the ITE actually proposed its new recommended practices because of his efforts in May of 2019. So as of just last year, Matt Jarlstrom, because of a ticket that he got that he didn't really need and because of a lawsuit that he had has been able to provide a safer set of intersections that will now be adapted across America, hopefully. Wow. So yes, someone probably should have written their graduate thesis on how long a yellow light should be. Huh. That's fascinating. That wasn't the story that I thought it was, but that's probably for the best. The The story that I remember hearing, there were these intersections in poverty-ridden areas in, in this one um part of the country that that were set up to have shorter yellow signals and like longer red signals in order to um like take advantage of the the people in those areas that weren't able to sue ah and so like it it was this like it, it was this huge government money scheme and this guy like called them out on it and the government repeatedly like tried to silence him and like sent him letters and stuff. And then he eventually like actually covered the, the, the intersection cameras so that they couldn't catch the, the people that they were trying to take advantage of. Uh, point is how long a light should be is important. So thank you for, for, it is. uh, justifying me and my uh belittling statements <laughs> <laughs> so yes there are definitely people whose jobs it is to figure out that sort of thing and sometimes they don't do a great job which is why i'm very grateful for 
nerds like Matt's Jarlstrom. Jarlstrom. Should be double checking their work. I like how he has like a normal first name. Like, alright, we got Matt. Just because we feel sorry for him, we can't change the last one. We'll give him the pass on the first. This has been Traffic Lights. Reconceived.